Hello and welcome to the Mythological Africans podcast, where we read and talk about the mythology, folklore, and culture of different African people. I am your host, Helen Mundi. Episodes of this podcast come from live recordings of the Mythological Africans Twitter Space Storytime Sessions, public talks, as well as from episodes of the Mythological Africans Deep Dive series, which you can watch on YouTube. We're going to start with a couple of questions which will provide a framework for the discussion. And then we'll look at sun and or moon symbolism from a selection of African people. We'll start with ancient Egypt, then we'll go down the eastern African coastline with the Boruna Oromo people found in Ethiopia and Kenya, the Sandawi people found in Tanzania, the San people found across most of Southern Africa, then we'll go towards Central Africa with the Luba people found in the Democratic Republic of Congo, then we'll go to the western coast with the Ngas people in Nigeria, the Batamaliba people in Togo, and we'll end with the Temer people found in Syria Leone. So what do people look at when they look up at the sky? What meaning do they give to their observations and how do they use the information gathered from their observations and efforts at meaning making? These are questions that cultural astronomers ask themselves. Cultural astronomers are people who study the understanding that people from across the world have of the phenomena and celestial bodies in the sky. And in the case of the African continent, what cultural astronomers have found is that the sun and moon are considered powerful creative forces or deities in and of themselves. The sun is usually characterized as masculine, but sometimes can be feminine, both or neither. Similarly, the moon is usually characterized as feminine with its association with uh, women's menstrual periods, but it also in some cases is classified as masculine, both or neither. Either way, solar and lunar movements and related phenomena such as eclipses, lunar phases, and solar equinoxes are known and they deeply influence daily life and overall culture. Now, what form does this influence on culture take? First and foremost, given that the sun and the moon are considered deities in some cases, they have deep, this has deep implications for the people's worldview. Um, this is usually reflected in their creation myths and the roles that the sun and the moon play in these creation myths. But also it has implications for the rituals that people perform to express this worldview. The solar movements and lunar phases and all of that also have implications for weather prediction. So based on where the sun is in the sky or where the moon is, is in the sky, people were able to get an understanding of what to expect of the weather. Uh, navigation was another area which the sun and the moon play a key role in. Timekeeping, which of course makes sense given the periodicity of solar and lunar movements, the sun rising and setting, the moon going through its phases. These are obvious markers for time. And then also for agriculture, which ties in a little bit of that timekeeping aspect, because then people knew when to till the soil, when to plant, plant and when to harvest. So what do different African people think of the celestial bodies and phenomena that they observe in the skies? Well, it's well known that in ancient Egypt, the sun was considered a manifestation of God and was called Ra. The moon was also a deity in and of its own right and was known as Khonsu. 
the mythology of ancient Egypt is very well described though and uh, very accessible. So we're not going to spend too much time focused on this for now. We're going to move on to the Borona Oromo people of Ethiopia and Kenya who have a lunar stellar calendar system. And this calendar system is divided into 12 segments, much as the calendar that we use nowadays is divided, but it differs in that it has that uh, stellar components. And what this means is that the, the timing is determined by observing the moon's position as it rises in the sky um, in conjunction, so together with seven particular stars or constellations and these are named in this table that you see to the right of the screen and you can see that the uh, Boruna Oromo people had their own names for um, the, the different star groups with which the moon the moon rose in the sky. And what is interesting about this calendar is that it has no connection whatsoever to solar observations. It is strictly a lunar stellar calendar and also there are um, archaeological sites which are associated with these observations. To the Sandawi people who are found in Tanzania, the sun and the moon are also supreme beings. And my apologies, I know that the vertical lines are clicks, but I've not been able to find the proper way to pronounce these words, so I'm not even going to attempt lest I butcher them. However, if you are Sandawi or you know how to pronounce this, I would really appreciate if you maybe gave a phonetic spelling in the comments. That way we all know how to say the words. So the sun and the moon are supreme beings to the Sandawi people. However, the moon um, has more, more importance in the grand scheme of things. And in the Sandawi creation myth, it starts out that the moon was alone in the sky and ruled the earth. It was cool, the light was gentle, the earth was fertile. And then the sun, sometimes characterized as a man, fell in love with the moon and decided to go live in the sky with the, with, with the moon. And there, there are different uh, versions of the myth, but in one version, because the sun rises into the sky with its bright, hot, fierce heat, things on Earth start dying and some imbalance is created. And eventually the moon has to return to restore the cooling effect and um, have the Earth be green and fertile again. And that, that story, the, the, the line of thought in that story really plays out in Sandawi culture in general. The sun is associated with the north, and this is because at the start of the dry months, the sun is found in the northern hemisphere of the sky. And then the moon is associated with the south, and this is because at the start of the wet months, um, sometime between November and December, the moon is found in the southern hemisphere of the sky. Um, even more, as I mentioned, the moon has a more central position in Sandawi culture. Um, it's associated with agricultural and women's menstrual cycles. Agricultural, uh, it determines when uh, tilling is done, when planting is done, when harvesting is done, and the obvious connection to women's uh, menstrual cycles with the 28 to 29th day um, cycle that the moon's phases follow and which in general women's cycles follow. But even more importantly, uh, Sandawi people believe that the moon determines what, uh, what, what sex a child is going to be. Um, it seems they followed a very binary system. So if a child was born earlier in the moon's phase, um, then the child would be female. But if the child was born to closer to the full moon, then the child would be male. The sun, because again of its bright, fierce heat, is associated with death. Um, because when the sun is 
you know, in the dry season, for example, when the sun is really out, everything dries up and dies. Um, but then the moon provides light and hope when the sun sets. And this conception of the sun and the moon really shows itself in the proverbs, the curses, and the, the sayings that obtain in Sandawi culture. For example, there's a Sandawi saying that the moon shows us the path through the night. There is another saying that when a person dies, he follows the sun. And this saying has tangible implications for Sandawi culture because when a person dies, there is an effort to make sure that the person is buried by the next sunset so that they can follow the sun um, to the final resting place. There is a Sandawi curse, which is considered so odious a curse. Um, pronouncing these words on somebody else's life is the equivalent of using what they would consider as witchcraft on the person because if you say to a sandawi, if you're a sandawi person and you say to another person may the sun see you it's almost like you're saying the person should stand in front of the sun and of course that person's going to burn to a crisp and that was considered you know a terrible thing to say to a person which i think is interesting because you know in in other cultural um, um set ups the sun is a thing of light you know the, the light of the sun is a blessing and having the sun shine on a person is would be considered a blessing and that is reversed here the moon's light is what's considered more favorable now the only case in which the sun's light is considered favorable is the earth early morning sun's light, which is called stemma. And this is because it's usually gentle. It's not so bright and hot as, you know, the sun at its zenith at midday would be. And there are some sayings that in Sandawi culture, which reflect this idea that the early morning sun's light is the best sunlight that you could possibly get access to. So interesting way of looking at things there. Um, moving on to the sun people found across most of Southern Africa. So South Africa itself, Lesotho, um, and other countries in that area, the, they have the story of the old man's son, and there are different variations to the story. In one variation, the son was an old man who had sun rays, heat rays coming out of his armpit. In another variation of the story, the son, uh, as a person, his head was this great ball of heat and light which emitted rays but then the sun didn't want to share the sunlight he would spend too much time in his home hiding out and this upset the people because without the sun you know certain things can't grow um it, it's just not a good situation so the people got upset um in one story they uh, they gathered up the children and they tossed the old man's son into the sky and there he stayed and now shines down on everybody he can't hide his heat anymore in another variation of the story um the young warriors in the clan i believe catch the sun cut off his head and toss it up in the sky and now we have the sun shining up in the sky so that's the sun version um an association that they have with the sun the Luba people in the Democratic Republic of Congo um, attach a lot of importance to the moon, especially the new moon, um, because they see it as a symbol of hope, um, of, 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 of rebirth, you know. And um, this, this has a really important role that plays when a new chief is being instated. And the picture you see here is a picture of a chief going through the, the rituals for his in, in, uh, uh, inauguration as king. And the white chalk that is on the king's body is supposed to be symbolic of the moon which you know has this whitish color and uh, the white stones around his neck also are symbolic of the moon and the idea is that the rising moon um like the rising moon the leader brings enlightenment to his people and this this enlightenment is demonstrated as sound leadership and heightened vision now the 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 Ngas people of Nigeria um, are, they call the moon Tar, 
And um, in Gas cosmology, Madnen is the creatrix, so their, their supreme being is female, and her name is Madnen. And she created Tar, the moon, and gave Tar power over fertility, again, that connection with women's fertile cycles and um, fertile agricultural seasons. And the moon's movements and the moon's activities, um, they really rule Gas, gas people's culture because the moon um, is a time maker uh, following that lunar calendar and everything. But the moon is also life giving and life taker um, and there is there is a lot of rich symbolism around that but what I really want to focus on is this ritual that the the, the Nagas people have called the shooting of the moon to usher in the new year so the Nagas people have these specialists um, in their culture who one of their functions one of their main functions is to track the moon's movements throughout their their year and at the beginning of the, the new year they have a ceremony where they shoot ceremony, shoot spears at the, the, the old moon to kill it. That way the new moon can come in. And this, this um, ritual is called the Mostar, which is the beer of the moon. And uh, it, it, it's associated with beer because in that part of the world, um, especially the northern Nigeria, northern Cameroon, that part of the world, um, beer has a very high symbolic function. It's hard to imagine any ritual of any kind happening without beer, usually millet or sorghum beer being poured out. So um, this this ritual is called Mostar, Beer of the Moon, and it's performed by young men who are called Jeptar Moa, who are the sons of the moon. So these are young boys who are going through their um, um, initiation processes to become men in the society, and they get gathered, they have some rituals that they perform, and then together with the, the elder who tracks the moon's movements, they go and hide out um, at an escarpment, and they very closely watch the moon's progression as it dies. And then as the new moon is rising, you know, they call out to it, they challenge it, they say, oh, the old moon is dying, new moon, show your face, um, to encourage the new moon to rise, of course, and to, you know, frighten the old moon. And then they have this ceremonial shooting of the, uh, the, the dying moon to kill it. That way the new moon can be ushered in and start the new year. So again, to, to make the difference, you have the lunar month, but then the, the, the lunar months are used to track the year. And at the new moon of the new year is when this most star uh, ritual is performed. And I just have here a picture um, of one of the young boys, the Jeb Tamoir, being um, prepared for the Mostar. And as you can see, as um, they, they also get painted with white chalk, which is symbolic of the moon's uh, soft, gentle light. So um, I have a reference in here. It's, there is a documentary also associated with this with this um, analysis. And uh, if you I'll put the references in the uh, at the end of the slides as usual, and you should definitely check it out. It was really fun. Now, Kie of the Batamaliba people in Togo is the sun deity who is male and female at the same time. Matter of fact, the Batamaliba people address Kue as the sun, our father and our mother. Kue is said to resemble a human who is split in half with a male left side and a female right side. And the Batamaliba people believe that Kue is the first architect who built the earth and constructed the first home for for him or herself and then uh, him or her sons. And um, what is interesting is that Batamaliba people build their homes as sanctuaries to Kuye. Um, so how the house is structured is to make sure that Kuye has the best possible access to the home and that the people have through their homes have the best possible access to Kuye. What does this look like? Well, first of all, 
Kuye is believed to reside in the western sky where the sun sets, so all houses are built to face the western sky. And then the Batamaliba people cut small holes above their doorways, and they consider these holes eyes used to see, you know, keep, 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 keep their gaze on Kuye's house in the western sky. Batamaliba people also have holes in the roofs of the second floor of their house, um, so they have you know, houses with a ground floor and then a small space up top where they would store things or sometimes people will sleep. And they'll have a small hole in, in this second floor which um, allows the sun to directly shine in when it's at the zenith. And this is one of the ways in which they, they keep their connection to Kuye strong. And the Batamaliba people are another example of just a really fascinating case study where uh, they use their houses to say so much about who they are as a people. So not only are the houses, you know, these sanctuaries for Kuye, they're sanctuaries for ancestors. They have male and female parts, as we've talked about in, in other mythological African discussions. And um, I definitely recommend that you check out this reference because it's full of so much more interesting stuff. Another interesting story coming out of the Batamaliba is that they believe that when there is an eclipse, it is the sun and the moon fighting each other. And what implication does this have for culture? It is an opportunity for people to make peace with each other so that the sun and the moon can stop fighting each other. So when there is an eclipse, people who have grievances, grudges will go out, seek each other out and try to make peace so that this eclipses, you know, irregular phenomenon will pass away and, um, you know, harmony can be restored to the land. So I, I thought that was really cool. Now, um, in the culture of the Temer people from Sierra Leone, the moon um, is just really, the symbolism associated with the moon is just really rich. And this is because Temer people are one of the people on the African continent who have really strong women's societies. And when you think about it, the strength of the women's societies um, is usually around their rituals and the ways in which they connect with each other. And there is that you know, connection with the lunar cycle and the menstrual cycle. In the Temne creation story, um, it, they say that the creator made the world and put it on the head of a giant. And the giant slowly looks from east to the west, which you know tracks with the movement of the sun. Um, the, the, the Temne's uh, creation story also features uh, the, the moon's movements and how the first man and the first woman um, use the moon to determine when to have sex and things like that. It's, it's a very rich, rich story, which we're not going to focus on for this video. But um, the, the lunar rituals that Temne people get into are, are of high symbolic nature in, in their culture. So with women's passage from girlhood to womanhood, um, the, the new moon, for example, is, is highly anticipated. It's welcomed with you know, a lot of joy, a lot of clapping. Meanwhile, if there is an eclipse, people are very frightened and they do as much as they can. They, you know, they bang pots. They consider it almost like an, an evil Omen, they bang pots and they do all these things to make sure that it goes away and it doesn't bother people. Now, as I mentioned, the Temer people have really strong women's societies, and one of these is the society associated with the Bundu spirit, which presides over girl to women initiation ceremonies. And um, the, the Bundu spirit uh, shows up in what is called the Noah mask. And uh, what you see here in the right side of the of the screen is an example of a Noah mask which has a crescent moon on it which is like I said um, one, one of the main main symbols of Temne culture.
So there are many other examples of sun and moon symbolism from across the African continent, which I don't talk about just because I don't want this video to run on for too long. But let's run through a few just so you can get an idea of just how rich this, this uh, area of symbolism is. So the Nyaturu people from Tanzania have this poem they call To Praise the Sun. And it's a very long poem. It has different versions. But at, at its core is a, a, an ode to the sun, the moon, and the stars. And in, in this poem, you really get a sense of what value the, the Nyaturu people associate with these different celestial bodies. So um, the, the person who speaks the poem addresses the sun, invokes its blessings as it moves across the sky, uh, invokes the moon and its blessings as it changes faces, and also the stars and the different symbolisms that they associate with them now. How African people, the symbolism that African people associate with the stars is a whole other topic for a whole other video, which hopefully we'll get to do at some point. Um, the Pedi people in South Africa uh, connect the stages of the, of the well, the stages of the moon to the stages of a woman's life. So, of course, the waxing crescent all the way to the full moon and then the waning um, is connected to a young woman to the full moon with the obvious connection to um, pregnancy and then the waning stages. The Kwena people of uh, Botswana have this interesting system where the waxing moon is male, but the waning, full, uh, the waning moon is female. And then the sun is female, which is, is interesting because, as we'll talk about uh, later in the discussion, there's another people also from the southern part of the African continent who have a bit of a reverse of the system. To the Hausa people who are found across most of West Africa, the moon is a boy whose mother, the sun, chases him across the sky. And there is um, some ambiguity here on whether this is actually is just a figure of speech or if this is how um, the people actually perceive it. But when 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 you look at the words for moon, the word for for sun, they are uh, the, the the word for moon is boy, and the word for sun is you know has a feminine connotation, and that's the story that is told about um, these two celestial bodies among the houses. There is Tanit of Carthage, and Tanit is a goddess of fertility. Carthage is an ancient and Tunisian city. So Tanit is a goddess of fertility. She's the custodian of seafarers, sailors, and her consort is Baal Hamon, who is a solar deity, but in the hierarchy of the time, Tanit was placed above Baal Hamon, which is interesting. A Maulisa of the Fon people who are found in Benin, Togo, and Nigeria um, is another example of a, 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 a supreme being who has connections to the sun and the moon. Mau is the female aspect of the, the, of the supreme being uh, connected to the moon, and Lisa is the male aspect to this being that's connected to the sun. In some stories, they're husband and wife. In some stories, they are brother and sister, and um, that's, that's how it's, it's seen. Uh, the Arimi people found in Tanzania have a moon who is male or female depending on phase and these, these are the people who are the inverse of the Kwena San people in Botswana. So the waxing moon for the Arimi people is female, the waning moon is male. The Shaga people found also in Tanzania have this interesting system where they use the day on which you are born and the time on which you are born to determine what your personality will be. And uh, the day on which you're born is connected to what phase the moon is in. And this, this they use them to develop this, this symbolic system, which is almost like, a, like I said, a personality system. It tells what your character will be. It tells what your love in life will be, whether you'll be fortunate or unfortunate. I apologize, my cat is scratching in the corner. That's the sound that you hear. Um, and there's just 
so much more richness to these stories, which I don't go into. But what I would like to do is um, introduce you to these two women. The first is Dr. Jarika Holbrook. She's an astrophysicist. And then there is also Ashley Lindalia, who is a, an astrophysics PhD student. And together with a couple of other people, they curate this space called Black and Astro, which aims to um, improve the diversity of the astrophysics space. And a lot of Dr. Holbrook's work fo focuses on cultural astronomy, and she has done extensive research on the cultural astronomy of African people. Um, I cite a lot of her work here, and from her work, I was able to access other sources. So she's definitely worth a follow on Twitter. Same with Ashley and same with the Black and Astro project from which I am sure you will learn a lot. So thank you for making time to watch the video. If you have comments or questions, feel free to drop them in the comment section and I'll find a way to either answer the questions or point you in the direction of resources that could answer the question. I'm really, really interested in if you have any stories from your part of the African continent or from the world which can add to the discussion or which might be similar to things that we talked about in today's video. So please, please, I do want to hear, uh, hear from you. And also, if you have any suggestions for how this can be made better, um, I'm very, very open to hearing them. So feel free to let me know what you think in the comments. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel if you find the information useful. You can follow Afromyth Hub on Twitter, where I do threads and posts and discussions, Twitter spaces, meetups, um, and we talk about different aspects of African culture, African spirituality, um, African traditions. And um, you can also sign up for a newsletter, which I put out at the start of every month. It gives a review of what was talked about the previous month and then a projection of what is going to be talked about for the upcoming month. So once again, thank you for making time for this video. I hope you have a great weekend.